we miss you guys. We really do miss seeing you here. Um, and it feels like it's been forever since we've been together. And uh, just to give you an idea how long it's been, like Rick said, trees have grown on the platform. So <laughs> that's how long it's been. Uh, but really, seriously, um, we miss, I miss um, our gatherings here on these Sunday mornings. And uh, to be in this room, I mean, it's great that we get to, uh, to do this um, together apart thing, but it's way better to be together together. <laughs> and yes. uh, so we miss you guys. And uh, we know that one day we'll all be back together. And uh, that's going to be a time of great celebration as uh, we're back in the, uh, our, our physical space all together. Um, but while we continue to worship together apart, uh, Pastor Rick and I are really excited about this um, Palm Sunday message that we have for you guys. Yeah, so last week, uh, if you may remember, Jeff, I'm sure you remember, last week you mentioned that uh, this time in our history is going to be a defining moment for the church. Yeah. Uh, not just Hope Church, but a defining moment for the church around the world. And uh, really, spring of 2020 is going to be in our memory. It's going to be marked in our lives for, for the rest of our lives. And often I notice that life can be marked by moments. Uh, you know, we have, uh, you remember your first job? Do you remember your first job? I was a locker boy. Locker boy? Wow, really? I don't know what that is. Yeah, nobody. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I worked for a, a, a building, uh, a, a guy that built sheds. Oh. I, I don't know how he made a business out of that, but he did. And he hired me to help him build sheds. That was my first job. Uh, we remember things like that, right? We have these moments in life that are marked uh, and they're there. So birthdays is another one that we remember. Uh, wedding dates, right? You remember your wedding date? Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, not your wedding day. I remember my <laughs> wedding day. And we celebrate those dates with parties. I mean, that's how important those are. We celebrate them by parties. There's also spiritual moments. And I know you and I have talked about those moments. You, know, you had one at a campfire where you made a decision to, to, um, uh, to go into full-time ministry, yep. right? Yep. And uh, I know I've had those same kind of moments where I've talked. Uh, some of you heard me talk in the past about moments where at a, at a summer camp where I made a decision for Jesus. And, and those moments mark us. They're, they're, they're those kinds of things that we remember the rest of our lives. Palm Sunday for Jesus was one of those kind of moments. It was a moment that marked his life. Uh, uh, the scripture says, and it's going to be up on the screen, it's from Luke chapter 19. It says, as Jesus rode along, now he was riding on a donkey, and as he rode along into Jerusalem, it says that the crowds spread out their garments on the, on the road ahead of him. Now, one scripture says palms, another scripture says garments, so they're laying out their garments and their palms, which is why we call it Palm Sunday. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. So the crowd is shouting, they're cheering, and they're throwing an impromptu parade by throwing out their garments and these palm leaves yeah. out for everyone to, uh, for Jesus to walk on. So I just wanted to uh, interrupt for just a second because we've got a lot of contacts um, over uh, the past week, people asking about the palms. Mm. Uh, did we order palms? Do we have palms? We did. We tried to actually stop the order, but it was too late. They did show up. Um, and we thought about actually having put, putting them outside and letting people drive up uh, throughout the week and pick them up. Really felt that that probably wasn't in keeping with the spirit of um, uh, sheltering at home and, uh, and so forth. So 
I had a thought this morning um, because they laid down not just these palm branches, but they also laid down garments or coats. And uh, so I thought over this Holy Week, as we move through today into Good Friday, why don't you take a coat, a jacket out of your closet, put it in a place where you would typically pray. So wherever that place might be in your uh, house, apartment, wherever you are, um, put that jacket that coat down there as a reminder because what people did was they took those coats after Jesus donkey walked over them and that became this special mm. thing for them I'm sure for the rest of their lives they probably told the story of being in Jerusalem there as Jesus entered and see this jacket this is where Jesus uh, uh, donkey walked on this jacket so put that jacket down and in your prayer time this week um, let that be your reminder, since we don't have palms, let that jacket be a reminder of this special occasion. Yeah, it's this moment that we can, uh, that we can mark in our lives. And so the crowd was cheering, as I mentioned, and they were, they were throwing this impromptu parade, and they were treating Jesus like a king would be treated. And that, that kind of uh, is understandable because the people were oppressed. The, the Roman government had, uh, had, had come in and, and was oppressing these people. They'd never known freedom. And so they were expecting relief. And they saw Jesus as this Messiah that would rescue them from Rome. And, uh, but also at the same time within this crowd, like any crowd, it was likely that there, there were different types of people in the crowd. There was, uh, there were some who were probably curious. Like uh, uh, just before this event, there's the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, that Zacchaeus was a curious uh, uh, a person who was interested in what was going on with Jesus and he climbed a tree. So there may have been some people at the parade who were curious and there were others who may have been confused. They just happened to be in town when this parade starts around them and, and they find themselves in this circumstance wondering, they're just bystanders, but they're there in the crowd. Uh, there may have been others who were pretenders. You know, they just kind of were following along thinking that they knew who Jesus was, but really they were, uh, they really had no idea. And then there were even those who were opposed, and Luke mentions those, it's up on the screen now. Uh, but some of the Pharisees, and these were those who would be opposed to Jesus, uh, were among the crowd, and they said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that, because the crowd was, was cheery and praising Jesus. And he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. And so now the Pharisees are this religious group. They're the, they're the religious protectors in a sense. And they have this powerful influence over the Jewish culture. And, and Jesus really didn't fit into their religious behavior. And they, they kind of felt that the crowd should stop praising Jesus. And, and it's possible they felt that they were losing their grip on and the control that they had over the crowd because uh, they, they, they controlled the crowd very well. They, uh, they, they may have been threatened by their personal status or maybe threatened even by their employment because if this Jesus came into power, they may even lose their, their jobs. And they certainly were concerned about their egos, which would be threatened as well. And so this Palm Sunday marks this beginning of Holy Week. And it's, it's what we celebrate during this week as, as Holy Week. And a transition begins to take place in Jerusalem between Palm Sunday and Easter. And what begins as a cheering crowd and a parade for Jesus is going to turn into this, a similar crowd or the same crowd even shouting for his crucifixion. 
And the Pharisees are exerting their influence. And you see it through the whole story now this week as the, as the Pharisees begin to use their influence to infect the crowd through the week. And just like a virus, yeah. uh, which seems to be on all of our minds and it ends up being part of every illustration. But this virus, in the same way that there's influence and infection, it's easier for some to contract it than others. So I imagine that those who were, uh, who were curious and confused would easily fall into receiving this infection from, from the Pharisees. And eventually, the majority moved from cheering to shouting. So in that way, it's sort of like a pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's this crowd, it's this, these people who, and I love that description of uh, the Pharisees' influence infecting. Mm. Um, so like everybody, because of uh, the coronavirus, um, I've been just reading about viruses and um, how they work and, and so forth. So we're moving from this pandemic, this crowd view, mm. to a individual from a macro to a micro view. So the way a virus infects us, and you know this, is um, a virus is an enzyme and it enters into the body through the nose or through the mouth typically. And um, as it enters in, it attaches itself to a healthy cell. And then it begins to create a corrupted code. This is why we call computer hackers, uh, when they do their thing, they're creating a computer virus. So in the same way um, that this works. So this, this enzyme, this viral enzyme, attaches itself to a healthy cell. It creates this corrupted code, and then it coats itself with a protein. It breaks away from that healthy cell, and oftentimes it destroys the cell, the healthy cell that it attached itself to, and then it moves out and begins to attach to other cells and spreads this corrupted code throughout the body, and then eventually the person begins to feel sick uh, because of this corrupted code on the cells. So that is an imperfect description, I think, of the nature of sin. Mm -hmm. We often call sin a, a spiritual virus because it works in a similar way. At the beginning of creation, when God first created human beings, we were like that healthy cell. We were in a healthy relationship with our creator, a perfect relationship with, with God. And um, it was, you know, spiritually, it was perfect. Original human beings were in uh, aligned with God's perfect will and God's perfect way. And that's how it worked. But then a virus entered. And this virus came um, through a human decision to defy God. And that had huge impact. Mm -hmm. This virus now affected the what had been this perfect relationship with God now becomes this infected relationship and it affected mm. everyone. From that time forward, we all carry in us this sin virus and despite our best efforts to try to manage it or control it or fix it or solve it, because it has real consequences in our lives, mm. it messes up um, our view of ourselves. It messes up our relationship, of course, with God. It also affects and infects our relationships with one another. And so we try, we work at trying to, to fix that, um, including the law. 
So God gave the law through Moses, and uh, the law was was this um, effort, if you will, to try to recapture, to relive a right relationship with God. But even that didn't work. And Paul wrote about that in uh, the seventh chapter of Romans. A couple of verses I just want to share real quick. So the trouble, Paul wrote, is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. I want to do good. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. That's the nature of a virus, right? So it infects, it corrupts this code. And so even though I'm, I want to do the right thing, I desire to do the right thing, I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's this selfishness that Paul even refers to in this, is that this idea of this, this code that has taken over our lives moves us from being selfless to selfish. And if you read in Romans chapter 7, over 29 times, Paul uses the word I, the personal pronoun I, and 17 times he mentions me or my. It's this overwhelming idea of, of, who, uh, of, uh, of us being overwhelmed and taken over by this virus that changes us. Yeah. And this virus then is experienced, Paul says, not just by Paul himself, but by all of humanity. He says, I have discovered, this is further on in verse uh, chapter 7, I have discovered this principle of life. Now, when it's a principle, that means it applies to everyone. It's a truth, right? So Paul says, I have discovered this truth, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And you're, you don't have to raise your hand at home because you may be sitting next to your spouse, but I think we all would agree that that happens in our life, that we want to do what is right, but we inevitably do what is wrong. Paul goes on and says, I love God's law with all my heart. So this is not about a question of commitment. It's not about I need to love Jesus more. It's not that. He says it's more than that. There is another power within me that is at war with my mind, that there's a a war waging inside of us. So we can't do it ourselves. He says, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And then ends with, what a miserable person I am. And he asks the question that all of us would ask when we recognize we're in this predicament. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he goes on and says this. He answers his own question for each of us. He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is, he says. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And then he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Mm. Jeff, that's the vaccine, right? That's the vaccine. So that's what we're all looking for with this coronavirus is where's the vaccine? We want the vaccine. Um, Jesus is the vaccine to this spiritual virus that infects all of us. 
you know, again, looking at the nature of a vaccine, what a vaccine does is it trains the immune system. This is something I read online. It trains the immune system to recognize and defeat a virus. Isn't that cool? So we're injected with this vaccine that then has this job of recognizing and defeating a virus. If you remember last week, uh, Pastor Rick in uh, uh, the message uh, from the Gospel of John talked about the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus as our, the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life, that he fills us with the Holy Spirit, his spirit at work in us. That's like a vaccine, mm-hmm. right? So that vaccine, that Holy Spirit is working in us, recognizing uh, sin in our lives and defeating that sin. You know, here at Hope, we talk about being a Christ follower or a disciple in this way. We say that to follow Jesus is to be in the process of conforming to the image of Christ for the sake of others. So as this vaccine, as this Holy Spirit is in us, it is doing a transformational work, changing our attitudes, changing our priorities, changing our focus, changing us. Jesus said that he came into the world to show us the way, to teach us God's truth, and to give us life. Mm -hmm. New life through him, an abundant life, and the hope and the promise of an eternal life. And so on this Palm Sunday, I I wanted to make this challenge. If you're watching this, uh, wherever you might be watching this, If you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never asked him to come in to forgive your sins, to become the Lord of your life, the leader of your life, and to guide you in his ways, in his truth, and to show his way to you, and to offer you the hope and the promise of an abundant, eternal life. This is a great time. I can't think of a better time in our history together Mm -hmm to do something as dramatic and as challenging and as life-changing as inviting Christ into your life. It's a simple thing. It's simply saying yes to Jesus. Yes, I I believe that you are who you say you are, Jesus, that you are God incarnate, that you did come to forgive our sins, to show us your way, to teach us your truth, and to give us life. And so I want to invite you now, uh, right where you are, to, uh, to pray. Um, I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and you can simply follow um, uh, in this prayer. So let's pray together. So Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you have come to restore us to spiritual health. That the relationship between a broken world and its creator that had such real, has such real impact on our lives here today. That these viruses that come both physically and spiritually do damage, they destroy life. They wreck us internally, they wreck our relationships. Thank you that you've come to be that vaccine. And so right now, if you have never invited Jesus into your life, I want you to pray these words after me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that I have this sin virus in me. 
I confess that it has done damage in my relationship with God. It's done damage in my relationship with myself. It's done damage with my relationships with others. And the sin of others has done damage to me. Lord, forgive my sin. Cover my sin with your sacrifice. Return me, restore me to full spiritual health. Lead me, Lord. Direct my steps. Guide my path. I put my trust in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hey, so if that was a prayer that you prayed this morning, I uh, invite you to let me know, uh, jeff at meethope.org, or uh, you can call the office, talk to uh, Pastor Rick or one of the other pastors on staff. We'd love to hear from you. Um, This is a life-changing thing. And for those of us who have been walking in faith for a long time, um, it's good to be reminded that any goodness in us is not because of who we are it's because of what Christ is doing in us he is in the process of conforming us to his image not for our own sake but for the sake of others let's be uh, let's continue to worship <laughs>